trust God. He's a strong and mighty God, and we praise Him this morning. If you're able to stand, let's worship Him this morning. The wind is watching every gesture of your hand. Waves of fear collapse at your command. I know
can't hold back my yeah. praise. Can't help Hallelujah. Give him praise. Give him praise. Can't hold back my praise, God. I'm going to let it out. He's right there in your bedroom, in your living room, in the kitchen, wherever. Give God some glory. Give Him some praise. For the Lord inhabits His praise. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's read something in the Bible about praising the Lord. Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with a song of thanksgiving. We just did that. Amen. Let us shout joyfully to him with songs. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it by his command. And his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down to him. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, in reverent praise and prayer. For he is our God. Amen. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts and become spiritually dull as at Mirabah and as Massa in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, even though they had seen my work, my miracles. For 40 years I was grieved and disgusted with that generation. And I said, they are a people who err in their heart, and they do not acknowledge or regard my ways. Therefore I swore an oath in my wrath. They absolutely shall not enter my rest. Selah. Oh, it pays to... Serve the Lord with gladness to obey his holy commands. Let us go before our wonderful God in prayer, brothers and sisters. If you would bow your heads with me at home, wherever you are, let's bow or kneel in reverence to God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you have brought into our life. For every good and perfect gift comes from our Father of lights above, the Bible tells us. And, Lord, it's been a while since we just said thank you for our eyesight. Thank you for our hearing. Thank you for our voices today, dear God. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost that is inside of us, who chose to live in us because we chose Jesus. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for that honor. Lord, we ask today that you will just bless our coming and our going from the rising of the sun until the going down to the same. Lord, we ask that you keep us safe. 
there's some mess out here, Lord, that we need protection from. Keep us safe, O oh God, from all hurt, harm, and danger. Lord, let no weapon formed against your children prosper. For your word says that every tongue that rises up against us in judgment, you will condemn. For that is the heritage of your servants, of your saints. For our righteousness is of you. Thank you, dear God, for bestowing upon us that title, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Help us to walk worthy to that name. Lord, we ask that you bless all of our church members, everybody who thought of not robbery to come through those doors today. And dear God, especially and also the ones at home, those in the hospitals, those who are bedridden for one reason or the other, those because of health reasons who can't come out. Bless them, dear God, right where they are. For wherever they are, your word says you're there too. You say, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid nor dismayed. For I, the Lord your God, I am with you wheresoever thou art, wheresoever thou goest. Oh, what a wonderful assurance you've given us. Lord, we ask that you bless our services today. Lord, bless our country. Lord, bless America. Lord, put the fires out on the West Coast, please. Protect those in the pathway of the hurricanes, dear God. Lord, we're seeing things all around the world that we've never seen before, including COVID. It makes you wonder what's, what's coming next. Could it be you, Lord Jesus? Even so, Lord, come. We are awaiting your arrival. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask that you draw all those who don't know you close to you. Bless our elderly and our children. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you will continue, as you promise in your word, to cover us with your feathers so that under your wings we can trust. May your truth always be our shield and our buckler. This we humbly ask in Jesus' most holy and wonderful name. Amen. And if you agree with that, would you just say amen? Praise God. Thank you. Amen. The power of the amen in agreement with God's word. God bless. Hey, CTC family. I'm Kendall, and here's this week's news. For several years, our church has been partnered with Bible Fellowship Church in Newark to sponsor Upward Sports. We're excited to announce that this fall, there will be a flag football and cheerleading league. This year, there will be no in-person evaluations. When you register, you'll be able to let us know your child's sizes as well as their overall athletic ability. Practices will begin the week of September 14th and games begin on Saturday, October 3rd. We'll take every precaution to ensure everyone's safety. You can find the registration form on our website. During the COVID pandemic, it has been difficult for us to interact the way we normally would. Beginning at 11 a.m. on Sunday, September 6th, Pastor Roger will be hosting a brand new Zoom meeting called Beyond. If you are new to CTC, you can meet Pastor Roger and others, or you can ask questions and talk about the message and spend time praying together. This Zoom meeting will place the 11 a.m. service at the Bear Campus. The 11 a.m. service at our Ellesmere Campus will continue as usual. You will find the link to the Zoom meeting posted on our website as well as on our Facebook page. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.net or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the church office at 302-836-2862 or text us at 
1022. You can also send an email to prayer at ctcde.net. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. Kendall, for those great announcements, I'm glad that you're uh, glad that she's able to do that, and we're working on those things. I want to ask you a question this morning. I want to give you I want to give you ten seconds for the answer. And uh, here's the question. Uh, don't want to answer it out loud, but th- here's the question: During the past week, name at least one person who you spoke with, and they encouraged you in your faith journey. Who this past week did you speak with and they encouraged you in your faith? I'm going to give you 10 seconds to think of an answer. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Did you think of somebody? You got somebody, somebody who encouraged you. Just a reminder that we all need encouragement, especially during this time. If, you, if you're at home, if you're uh, locked in because of work, we all need encouragement. And we need to be intentional about connecting with other people during this time. We need that. We've got to have that. And if you, if you couldn't think of anybody who encouraged you this past week, this next week, I want you to send me a text, send me an email. Several times during the service, you'll see the email, you'll see the number on the screen. Send me a a note. And I want you to say something to encourage me, or at least ask me, how are you doing, Pastor Roger? And how can I pray for you? I'm going to reply with the same answer. I'm going to just say something to you to encourage you because we've got to learn how to, we don't know how long this pandemic, how long this isolation is going to last. And so we've got to learn new and be intentional about new ways of connecting with other people. And we need to pay attention to the people who are around us to make sure one another is being connected and encouraged and prayed for during their faith. This is the body of Christ. And, and you know how our brains, uh, they say that our brains develop new nerves. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But our brains develop over time. And when we have a new task to do, something's happening even in our brains. We need to exercise these things spiritually as well. So let's work on that together as the body of Christ. I don't want anybody disconnected. I don't want anybody alone. And we need to help each other stay connected. Well, so that's what we do as the body of Christ. So let's share our prayer requests. You can do that by filling. If you're here, you can do that by filling out one of the envelopes that's on the table by the door. If you didn't pick one up on the way in, pick one up on the way out, fill it out. You can also place your offering there. If you're online, you can you can share your prayer requests with us by going to uh, ctcde.net. Scroll down through there. Look for the connect card. Uh, You might have to click a menu button or whatever, but look for the thing called a connect card and you can fill out your um Prayer requests there, comments, questions, whatever you have for us. We do respond to those and glad for that. And uh, you can give online through the same website, ctcde.net forward slash give. And uh, that's all part of our worship. We worship God through serving others, serving God. We worship God through reading scripture. We worship God through praying. 
I'm going to invite you to stand up again if you're here with us and let's continue worshiping God as we sing together. If you're able, let's stand together and sing. Come. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Isn't that good news? Jesus is calling. He's calling each and every one of us by name because we're his children. And when we're his children, he's written our names in the Lamb's book of life. He knows us by name. He has counted each one of our tears because Jesus is calling. He's calling you. He's calling me. He's calling all of us. And that's good news today. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you've done and for all you're doing and for all you're going to do. That's good news. Let's look to the Lord. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for this day and we worship you. We worship you because you loved us so much that you just pour out your love upon us and that you lavish us with love we're your children and as your children father god we have an awesome responsibility and that responsibility is to love others like you've loved us if we can just demonstrate a measure of love to all of humanity the way that you love us father god then we are working toward living in your will and father god as we live toward strive toward living in your will we have to we have to live in your will at all times so the bible teaches us that it's not that it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust but as a child as your child it's how we respond to that rain in our lives that demonstrates to the world how grateful we are for the sacrifices that you've made for us so when temptations come our way we have to praise you, Lord. When infirmities knock us off our feet and lay us low, we have to praise you, Lord. We have to live with your grace flowing through us so that we show the world that we're better, not bitter, because of the trials that we face in this life. Because we know that when we leave this place, Father God, that we'll be present with you for all eternity. And then we can, in, we can rejoice, rejoice all day, every day, because the days will be without end. So we thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father, for the manservant that you sent to deliver the word. We've come to hear a word from you today, Father God. And we thank you in advance for what that word is going to do in our life. We thank you for our pastor, Father. He studies to get this word together so that your people can be edified so that we can be changed so that we can go forth into the world and let your light shine before men so we ask father god that for anyone who's going through a trial today father god that they rejoice knowing that on the other side of that trial is a blessing we ask father god that you just bless us all and bless us indeed your spirit lives within us. But on the day of Pentecost, where the disciples, you poured out your spirit. So, Father God, pour out your spirit through this house of worship. 
let us all go running around in circles so like people will say, what's wrong with them? But we know it's nothing but the blessing and the goodness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ manifest by the Holy Spirit in us. So, Father God, we thank you this day and we thank you for the word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. better here's a game of life and as we're, we're talking about change is normal everything changes right you're growing up right Catherine you're not growing up you're growing up aren't you every day you're able to do new things yeah you grow you change you change Colin every day you new things so have you seen that you haven't seen this game before have you no so you get to pick a little token and the object of the game is to go through these pathways and gain as much money as you can. And the person at the end of the game with the most money wins. And so you can have, but along the way, you've got to make decisions and choices because things always change. And so what color do you think you want, Catherine? Here's a, here's a yellow car. When I was a little kid, we called this a station wagon. And then in the 1980s, it was called a minivan. And then now it's called an SUV. But the funny thing is, if people, grown-ups, remember these games, this shape never changed. It's still the same. It's still the same colors and same shape. So you've got to make a decision at the beginning. Do you go to college or do you just go right into a job and start working? What would you do? Would you go to college or would you just go right into a job? I don't know. <laughs> you think, Colin, you go to, go to college or go to get, get, just get a job? Okay. So Colin would, 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 would start college, but then you get, you're $100,000 in debt already. You owe me $100,000 already. Your dad says that was the wrong decision. Maybe, maybe not. But so you get there, and then you get to this one over here, get married. Going to get married someday? Mm, mm, no way. 
You think? Anyway. And then you get married and you have kids. And, and you never know how the game is going to end. Because life is always changing. That's what we're talking about today. But with Jesus, Jesus always helps us make those changes and things like that. You guys want to spin the wheel? Go ahead, give it a spin. I know, everybody has that trouble with this game. The spinner always pops out. That's one of the things about this game. It always does that. We'll give it a spin, Catherine. Can you reach it? Reach over. Ooh, I see somebody's been playing with my money. Here, you get, here's $100,000 for you. Here's $100,000 for you. Here's $100,000 for you. Whoops. Spend it wisely. <laughs> Colin's giving it away. You're a very generous man. Good for you. All right. Thank you, guys. You can go back to your seats and, and we'll, we'll read some scripture. You can, there you go. Thanks, Catherine. You guys are generous. You're giving it, giving it back. Last week, last week I introduced some, uh, it's called the cycle of change. And uh, it was, uh, I got pretty good feedback from it. And so we're going to stick with that model. Let me just remind you this cycle of change, the things that we go through when, when we have to make a change. And this was the cycle of change. Stage one started out with experiencing some kind of a loss through which we experience fear, caution. Maybe we're paralyzed from action. The second stage was experiencing doubt or resentment. And skepticism about the change. I'm not sure why that has to change like that. And so we resist the change. I'm not going to change anything. Stage three is the feelings of anxiety and confusion. A lot of times we get stuck in this this place of just doing the same action over and over and over again, expecting, because things change, we expect a different result. But they say that that's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting the same result, but you don't get it. You've got to change something in order to do that. So that's stage three. But then at stage three, we have a choice to make. We can either we can either bounce back to stage one and stay in this cycle, this negative cycle of, of repeating stages one through three, or we can accept the change and begin to do things differently. And that leads us into stage four, which is anticipation. And in the anticipation, we get some hope about a positive outcome. And we begin to recognize that there are resources available to us to help us make the change. And then stage five, as we use those resources, we gain confidence that and and we find practical solutions or practical responses to the changes in our we begin to increase our productivity And then stage six is a satisfaction of being at least in better control. We know that we can't control everything in life. There's a lot of when when I was a kid playing this game of life, I always wanted my mother to play it with me. And she always said, I'm not going to play that game. I said, why, mom? And she said, because it's too much like life. (laughs) And I did not understand what she was talking about when I was little. But boy, do I understand it now. And I look even at this game. I look at it much differently as an adult than I did as a child um, because I have lived much more of life. I've made those decisions and struggled with those things, and I have realized life never turns out the way we expect it. It is constantly changing. We don't need to be afraid of that, but there is this process, the cycle of change. Last week, as we looked at it, we looked at the life of Moses. But this week, I want us to look at the life of Job 
and the changes that he experienced in his life. So let's turn to the book of Job. If you're at home, open your Bible or your app on your phone, or maybe you actually still have a physical Bible. And if you brought one here, let's open it up to the book of Job or even on your phones. Let's look to the book of Job. We're going to take, we're going to run through the book of Job this morning. And hopefully I won't linger too long at any one spot. But most of this message is going to be hearing God's word through the, uh, the, the life of Job. So Job begins in, obviously, chapter 1, verse 1. And so let's begin reading there, Job 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. Job was blameless and a man of complete integrity. I love the word integrity. Because integrity has within it a sense of wholeness. Uh, we, we, we have this, uh, we're gonna, when we get to stage six in this change uh, diagram, one of the words that describes stage six is this integration of the change into our life. It's an integration of what we, uh, what we have and what needs to change and our skills They get all brought together so that there is a new wholeness. That's what it means to be integrated. And so a man of integrity or a woman of integrity has pulled these things together so that there's a soundness to what they have. James, um, we mentioned this verse last week, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. When you face trials of any kind, because you know those trials lead to endurance. So let endurance have its full effect so that you might be whole and complete, lacking nothing. That's where God is leading all of us in our lives. And so for Job to be a man of integrity, he has been this man where all these things are pulled together and there's a soundness in this. I also referenced last week. Second uh, Timothy one, verse seven, which says God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, love and sound mind, a mind that has integrity. This is the life that God is leading us to live. This is the life that God wants us to live. This is the life that we have through our faith in Jesus Christ. And God gives us the Holy Spirit to pull these things together. And when our when we when we encounter difficulties, when we encounter change, it feels like there's this thing over here that I don't have control of. There's this thing over here that I don't understand it. And being a person of integrity doesn't mean that we have absolute control over everything. That's not what it means. It means that we, we do have this sense of peace. We do have this soundness. We do have this integrity where our lives are functioning, working together. Job had that. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? We want that in our lives. We need that. And that's where we need to function. And that's... That's where Job started. That's where the story of Job. He was a man of complete integrity. And listen, this next verse, we're still in verse 1. We're going to get through the sermon. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. Now, let's, the, the next message series that I'm going to do is going to be called simply Fearless. And I think in this time that we're now we're talking about um, change, 
The next sermon series is coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about living a fearless life. Job feared God. And a biblical, here's a little, I don't know if this is a tease or giving the whole series away. We as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we must fear God first. And by that, I don't mean that we're afraid to be with God. My wife, Carolyn, I'm sorry, Carolyn, are you, are you here? <laughs> she's watching online. She's, she's, in the, she's back in her office or something like that. We have these, we have, in our backyard, we have, our backyard has been infested with cicada killers. Do you know what a cicada killer is? It is this massive looking wasp that big ones are about this, this big. I put it up next to my ear so you can see on TV how, how, how far this is. As big as my ear. And, and they fly around and they're aggressive, but they don't sting humans. I mean, they could if, if you really aggravate them. But they, they, they don't want you in their territory, so they come at you to scare you so that you will get away. We have this definition of fear that what things that we fear we want to stay away from. But that's not the biblical understanding of fear. Biblical understanding of fear is having healthy respect and awe for someone. And so I'm not afraid of these cicada killers. I don't like them. But I'm not afraid because I have to treat my yard with, with these things because they're ugly and they buzz around and they scare people and I don't want them there. My wife won't go into the yard. I want my wife to enjoy our yard. So I want to get rid of the cicada killers so that we can enjoy our yard together. To fear the Lord does not mean that we stay away from him. To fear the Lord means that we respect him. We understand the power of it. When my children were young, we taught them to respect the power of the heat of the stove top. And we said, don't touch that. Now, my son, Ryan, he was a very compliant child. He still is. He's 20. He's going to be 26 in, a, in, in what's today. Next Tuesday, he's going to be 26. But but Ryan, when he was little and we wanted to tell him not to do something, we didn't have to tell him twice because he had such a compliant spirit that, at, at, that if we said stay away from the stove, he would absolutely stay away from the stove to the point that he would never, ever go even near the stove. So that we had to, we had to work with him because he was so sensitive as a child that we said, well, we don't want you to be afraid of the stove. We want you to respect it, understand it has a power in it to cook. And to nurture us. It's a tool for that. And so God is not just a tool. God is a person that we don't need to be afraid of. But we do need to respect God. And learn how to relate with God in a healthy way. Because God has life for us. And we need to do that. Job had fear of God. He stayed away from evil. Because evil doesn't produce life. God gives life to us, but evil takes life away. So this is, this is describing the, Job's life. He had seven sons and three daughters. How many children is that? You got, we, there's got to do some math here. So we got ten. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys. I challenge anybody to Google this. If you're, if you're watching online, still listen to the message, but... On the side over, because I know you can multitask. Google, why did they count only the female donkeys? Uh, but anyway, 
this question I have. Text me the answer, please. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in the area. When I was in college, I was part of a singing, uh, 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 a singing group that traveled around during the summers between our, our uh, fall or our spring and our fall semesters. And I learned fairly quickly, being a farm boy, I was always interested in, in making connections with other farmers. And when we traveled, we would visit a town, we'd sing at a church or a camp or, or some other event. Remember, once we were a Sea Isle City uh, in New Jersey, and we, we did a concert on the boardwalk in, in Sea Isle City, New Jersey. But we would visit, we would stay, we were hosted by families of the church that brought us into that town. And so we had all kinds of conversations, especially when we were down south and we were on farms. I learned very quickly that you don't ask a farmer how many acres he has on his land, especially a rancher. We didn't go to Texas, but but this is true in Texas, because asking a rancher how many acres he has is like asking him how much money he's got in his bank account. You don't ask that question. Because he knows that you're assessing his value by how many acres. But they're giving us the value of Job. 7,000 sheep. That's a lot of sheep. Even today, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen. He was wealthy. And he was a man of integrity. Do you know anybody like that in this world? It's hard to think of a person who has this much wealth. And is, and is a person of integrity that everybody recognizes in integrity. This is Job. Life is good for Job. Verse 4 says, Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes. They would also invite their three sisters to come celebrate with them. Now, their sisters, if they were married off, they were, they were sent away from the family. They were no longer part of this part of this family, and they were not the responsibility of of their father any longer. So there was no reason why the brothers would even invite their sisters to come over to these parties. But they did. So Job's integrity, Job's resourcefulness, Job's generosity was expansive and expanding through his family. And they would celebrate with them. Now, verse 5 says, When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. What? What's going on in these parties that they would need purification afterwards? <laughs> listen, listen. Job would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them because Job said to himself, Perhaps my, have, my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. And this was Job's regular practice. He was a righteous, faithful man, and he wanted that faithfulness and that righteousness to flow through him and to his children for generations and generations. And this is what he was doing. He was offering sacrifices for the purification of his children. That's a beautiful image. The spiritual role that a father has for his family. Oh my gosh. Dad's. We need to hear that and understand that it is our role as fathers to raise our children in a way that they are pure in God's eyes. We don't have total control over that, but we can do much to make that happen. Thank you, Pastor Vaughn, for the amen. (laughs) I was waiting for it, brother. (laughs) Thank you. Job's life was good. 
But then things changed, and God was proud of Job. God bragged on Job to Satan, and Satan said, Oh, that Job, he's nobody. He will turn his back on you in an instant. God says, No, he won't. Try me. So here's what happens in verse 13. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting, remember we just described their feasting, it was a party went on for days. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. He said to Job, your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. And when the Sabaeans raided, then the Sabaeans raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Well, that's trouble. And while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep. How many sheep? 7,000. And all the shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And even while he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this new three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. How many camels? 3,000. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger. How many messengers is this? This is the fourth messenger. Says, your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home and suddenly a powerful wind swept from the, in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. Boom! The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Some of us, has, some of us have gotten news of cancer. <laughs> in the same month that we got news of a parent dying. In the same month we lose our job. In the same month our house burns down or the tornado comes. And takes us over. Some of us have had those kinds of experiences. Just like Job. He was alone. How does he respond to that? Well we jump forward a few verses. And it says Job stood up. He tore his robes in grief. This is verse 20 in chapter 1. And then he shaved his head. He fell to the ground. To worship. He said I came naked from my mother's womb. And naked I will leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. He's an upright man. In all of this, verse 22 says, Job did not sin by blaming God. So the devil lost his little bet with God. So the devil says, oh, no, 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 no. God, you told me to take all the things around him, but now... If you, if you let me inflict pain on his body directly, he'll curse you, God. And God says, no, he won't. And so, in chapter 2, there comes, we read this. All right, God says to Satan, do with him as you please, but do not take his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence. I think that's an important say, phrase. Satan left the Lord's presence. Do not leave the Lord's presence. <laughs> Good things are not going to happen. 
bad things are. So Satan left the Lord's presence and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. All right, now he's inflicted pain on Job's life. This is the fifth calamity that is coming upon Job. And he responds in verses 8, Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. We sang about ashes a few minutes ago. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Yes. His wife says, curse God and die. Get this over with. But Job replied, boy, I love this verse, but I, 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 if I said this to my wife, oh, my word. Job replied to his wife, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from God, the hand of God, and never anything bad? So in all of this, Job said nothing wrong. He maintained his integrity. We're going to jump to chapter 10. And in this, we're going to look ten, uh, chapter 10, verses 5 through 18. Nope. Where am I? Yeah, there we are. Verse 5. So Job is now pleading with God. Job's gone through this. Some other friends have come to try to console God. And now Job is, is, is calling out to God. And, and he says, Job says to God, is your lifetime, God, only as long as ours? Is your life so short that you must quickly probe for my guilt and search for my sin? Is that what you're doing in life, God? You're just looking at me down here and you say, oh, here's Roger. Let's see. Let's watch him to see how he sins and where his guilt is. Is that what you're doing, God? Job asks. Verse 7, it says, although you know I am not guilty, no one can rescue me from your hands. You formed me with your hands. You made me. Yet now you completely destroy me. Remember that you made me from dust and you will turn me back to dust so soon. Or will you turn me back to dust so soon? Can't you just give me a chance to live? You guided my conception You formed me in the womb. You clothed me with skin and flesh. You knit my bones together with sinews. God, even back then, understood and gave them an understanding of biology. Isn't that wonderful? And and scholars tell us that this book of Job is so old. (laughs) The story of Job is so old, it's likely... The oldest scripture in the entire Bible. It was written even before Moses came, the book of Genesis. And they understood human anatomy, how it was put together. They didn't have electronic microscopes or whatever they're called today. I know electronic microscope is old technology. And it is so much more advanced even today to be able to analyze This biology that God created. But they had an understanding of it that God knit my bones with sinews together. Ligaments. You gave me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was preserved by your care. Yet, your real motive, God, your true intent was to watch me. And if I sin, you would not forgive my guilt. If I am guilty, too bad for me. 
And even if I'm innocent, I can't hold my head high because I'm filled with shame and misery. Does Job understand life? If we're being honest, we can hear our own lives, every one of us, being described in these verses. If I hold my head high, you hunt me down like a lion. Picture a lion crouching through the savanna and a little baby gazelle over here holding its head just above the top. That's how a lion hunts and sees the prey. If I hold my head high, you hunt me like a lion and display your awesome power against me again and again. You witness against me. You pour out your growing anger on me and bring fresh armies against me. Why then did you even deliver me from my mother's womb? Why didn't you let me die at birth? Is this what life is like with you, God? Is this what you want me to live life like? That's where Job is. Have you been there? Are you there yet? Do you remember a time when you've been there? I do. I remember those times in my life when I was asking God these same questions. And you know what the good news is? God can handle your truth. Remember that movie? A Few Good Men, I think is what it was called. Jack Nicholas. Or is that the golfer? Nicholson's the golfer. Nicholas is the actor. Thank you. I don't know what I'm talking about. I can't use sports analogies. You can't handle the truth. God can. God can handle the truth of your life far better than you can. So let God have it. God can take it. He's bigger than you. (laughs) You're not hiding anything from God. And I love that Job has the guts and the integrity to turn to God and say, what have you made of my life? What are you going to do with this experience, God? Let's look and see. And he has the guts to go to God. We're going to jump now to chapter 17. I know we're we're rushing through. Job defends his own innocence. So he's willing to go to God and he's willing to lay his life out for God to God. He's willing to say, God, what have you given me? Is this all there is? I would rather die. And in verse 17, chapter 1, Job says, My spirit is crushed. My life nearly snuffed out. The grave is ready to receive me. I'm surrounded by mockers. I watch how bitterly they taunt me. Oh, God, you must defend my innocence since no one else will stand up for me. You have closed their minds to understanding, but do not let them triumph. They betray their friends for their own advantage, so let their children faint with hunger. God has made a mockery of me among the people And they spit in my face. My eyes are swollen with weeping and I am but a shadow of my former self. This has gone on for a long time. We know what illness does to people. We watch it. My mother uh, had multiple myeloma cancer. And I know that there are people in our our church that that uh, are experiencing that. And I pray for them. I know what, what, what that's like to watch somebody 
go through that kind of cancer. But it wasn't that cancer that took my mother's life. She got some other disease that closed down her throat. And it, it was a neurological thing, and I'm not still quite sure what it was. And she had a feeding tube put in, and we watched, watched our mother dwindle away. Very difficult. And, and, and the memories that I have of mom as a, as a healthy mother, a vibrant mother who loved me and cared for me, and then to contrast that. Those of you who've gone through this, you understand exactly what it is. I think of that when Job says, I am a shadow, I am but a shadow of my former self. The virtuous are horrified when they see me. The innocent rise up against the ungodly. The righteous keep moving forward. And those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. Those Job is defending his innocence. He said, God, I've done nothing wrong. Why am I experiencing all these things? Only you, God, can defend me against. I got all these people around me telling me, surely, Job, you've done something wrong. Confess it to the Lord. But there's nothing to confess. What have I done, God? Only you can save me. Job is pleading with God for him. And this is, I I, I compare this with stage five in that change cycle where he's, he has confidence in his own innocence and he sees that as a resource, but he also sees God as a resource, not as the enemy to run away from. But God, you're, you made me, you're so much farther beyond me that I need you to help me through this. Nobody else is there. I am alone. I need you. Come and defend me. And he sees the resources in God. He sees wisdom in God. So now we jump to chapter 28, verses 1 through 3. It says, people know where to mine silver. They know how to refine gold. They know where to dig iron from the earth. And they know how to smelt copper from rock. They know how to shine light in the darkness and explore the farthest regions of the earth. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? And when somebody's that at that point in life, they don't care about gold. They don't care about iron. They don't care about silver. They want to understand. But it is hidden from the eyes of all humanity. Even the sharp-eyed birds in the sky cannot discover it. This is chapter 28. I'm at verse 22. Destruction and death say we've heard only rumors of where wisdom can be found. And then 23 says God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found, for he looks through the whole earth and he sees everything under the heavens. He decided how hard the winds should blow, how much rain should fall. He made the laws for the rain and laid out the path for the lightning. Hear that? God (laughs) is so powerful and so quick. I snap my fingers and you hear it almost instantly. And even on the Internet, you hear only seconds after I snap my fingers live. But God is faster than that because God makes a path for lightning. That's pretty quick. And then he saw wisdom and evaluated it. He set it in place and examined it thoroughly. And this is what he says to all humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. 
You want to work through what you've got to work through? Respect the Lord. Don't run away from God. Run toward God. (laughs) Run toward God. Run away from evil. Put it behind you. Have nothing to do with what is unrighteous, impure, unholy. Flee from it. Don't accept it. Don't take it. Grab hold of the resources that God is giving us. Hold on to Jesus, the Son of God, who came and died on the cross. He embraced the change. And God brought him through to life. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. And so Job learns this. Now we're going to jump to chapter 42, verses 1 through 6. Is that right? I think I missed one. 38, 1 through 7. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. You hear that? We just had the tornadoes go through Delaware a couple of weeks ago. Hearing this scripture gives us new insight. Those families that are now trying to rebuild their lives and their homes. Job heard God. Are you able to hear God in the whirlwind? Do you know God's voice closely enough that you can recognize the difference between the the swirling mass of mess and the voice of God? He's there. And so finally, after Job has said all these things to God, God says to Job, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Oh, brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much, you who are wise. Who determined the dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid the cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy at creation? God created you for good life. Who did that? God did. Were you there when you were conceived? God was. Isn't that beautiful? God was there. Doesn't matter how you were conceived. God was there to give you life. Now Job has to respond to God. And Job says to God, I know that you can do anything, God, and no one can stop you. You ask me, who is, the, who is it that questions my ignorance with my wisdom with such ignorance job is bold enough and courageous enough to say it's me <laughs> here are the children in the classroom somebody makes a wise comment i saw i saw this video i don't know what it was tiktok or something like that everybody was in the room oh it was a college classroom high school classroom everybody had their ma- all the students had their masks on one student gives some insult says something to the teacher Teacher whips around. Who said that? All the students say, I did. I did. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> he, can't, he can't read lips. 
Because <laughs> the mouths are closed. Why did I think of that? You ask God, who is it that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? And Job is brave enough to take his mask off and say, it was me, God. Take your mask off in front of God. He will not kill you. He gives you life. He said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. And Job says, I only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said and I sit down in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Come to the Lord with faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to have a moment, some moments from prayer. If you're at home, I encourage you. Maybe you want to just get out of your seat, turn around, kneel, kneel on the floor, and let, let your chair be a, a place of prayer right now. Maybe you've got a coffee table. You're sitting at a get-up, kneel down. If you're here in the room, I invite you to come. If you need to say something to God, if you need to tell God how your life is, and you need to say like Job did, God, what is this life that you've called me to? Or maybe you just need to come here and kneel or, or wherever you're standing or sitting. You, you just say, God, I need to be encouraged with your presence. Come and be with me. I invite you to stand together and as the team leads us in singing. Let's listen to God and let's respond to God. What conversation with God do you need to have today? I encourage you if you're online, I'd love to hear your testimony. Let me know what God is doing in your life. Fill out a connect card and fill out a prayer request. And let's encourage each other. Let's sing. Let's pray together in Jesus' name.
Only Jesus, brothers and sisters, I hope your heart is as full as mine is right now. I don't know about you, but I'm about right up to here. Hey, man, please. Thank you, Peggy. Let's give God some honor and some glory. Praise God. You honor God, he'll honor you. Praise the Lord. We ask today that you just don't hold on to what you feel right now. I feel it too. But take it out into the world. Let them feel the presence of God in you, in your smile. It's sort of hard to do it with a smile nowadays, but they say you can see it in your eyes, the windows of your soul. But let them hear the words of God that we've been taught today, that no matter what we're going through, as Pastor Rogers said, there is a God, the mighty God, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, who cares about us and is supplying all of our needs according to his riches and glory through his son Christ Jesus. Amen? That is his promise. Tell somebody the good news. People need to be lifted up as Pastor Roger was saying. Encourage somebody. You might not even know them. Give them a word from the Lord. It lifts us up. The Bible said it is life and health to all our flesh. The word of God. We ask today also that we uh, try something. Turn to somebody and just give them a little hug. 
I'm talking about a heart hug. You do it like this. Hug, 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 hug. Just turn, seriously, give somebody a heart hug. Encourage somebody. Debbie, praise God. Amen. That's what it's all about, brothers and sisters, sharing that love. The Bible says you can tell by the way they love one another that there's something different about them. They must have been in the presence of God. Amen? So go forth, be blessed, be safe. See you next week. God bless. By the way, if anybody... Praise God. Hallelujah. And if anybody wants to pray at the altar, the altar is open to you.